The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 66 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I am your host and so glad you decided to join us again this week. Uh, What a great show we've got for you. Before we jump into this week's conversation, I just want to thank everybody for the incredible reception for last week's episode with my mom. It was so fun to see all the great comments, and she just has a fantastic story. It was really neat to get to have her on the show. Also, we've had some great reviews coming in, both on Facebook as well as in uh, Apple Podcasts. It's just fantastic. Thank you so much for all the support. The show, once again, we've already set a record uh, month for October, and we just appreciate the growth and all the sharing that everybody's doing it. We're going to keep on putting out the best episodes that we can, and that includes this week. My guest this week, you will want to stay tuned. I mean, the entire episode is just incredible. Heidi Tucker is a celebrated author and When I heard her story, my jaw was on the ground. It is such an amazing story of faith and of hope and of just following the Spirit. And especially if you've ever thought to yourself, you know, oh, I could never do this or I could never do that. This is an incredible story of what happens when we just follow what the Lord has for us. Heidi is amazing. I so thoroughly enjoyed talking to her. And uh, this week in my Latter-day Life, I'll tell you about my favorite day on our California vacation last week. It's all coming up, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. What an honor and pleasure it is to have today in the Latter-day Live studio right here, uh, a very accomplished author. We're talking award-winning author, very legitimately, and uh, Heidi Tucker is my guest. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you. So good to be here. I have been so excited ever since you reached out. I don't know if you will remember this, but you reached out in an email, and your first line was, let's talk about hope. Yeah. Let's and I was it. so intrigued, like, yes, let's talk about hope. That's something we don't talk about enough. But before yeah. we get into hope, and I know why we're going to talk about it now after doing a little bit of homework, let's talk about Heidi Tucker first. Okay. Tell us, uh, where, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in the beautiful desert of Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Born and it raised. It is beautiful, right? I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um you know, you go there in April, and the the desert is just blooming. There yeah. is color in April. I can't yeah. say that about the rest of the year. <laughs> well, there's there's a color. <laughs> Brown's a color. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's it's got its beauty. You know, you got to look for it sometimes. Yeah. And um, but it's it's hot and dry. And do you enjoy the heat? Yes. You love the heat. It just feels good. It feels. See, I say I don't, but I I love St. George. Gosh, I love St. George, Utah. Arizona is special hot. It's special hot. So what what city do you live in? I live in Cave Creek, which is a suburb on kind of the northeast corner of Phoenix. That is the most Arizona-sounding city I've ever heard of. Cave Creek. Cave Creek, Arizona. Yeah, it's just right on the edge of Phoenix. I was just watching, uh, I'm a huge NBA fan, I was just watching the Phoenix Suns play last night, Uh Walking Stick Casino Arena. Right. Yeah, it's impressive. (laughs) It changes, the name changes every few years. And Cave Creek, I just love it. What's the hottest it's ever gotten to in Cave Creek? Uh, I've, I've been out and about in 122. Oof. I've done 112. 112 in St. George. Yeah. And uh, that you know was what? It, it almost feels the same. Yeah, I don't think there's a huge difference. You, you between... go, you head up above 110, <laughs> and it's just blowtorch hot. I like that phrase. I'm stealing that blowtorch hot. Yeah. So tell us about your family. Were you? Uh, do you have siblings? I've got siblings. I'm the oldest of six. I'm the bossy mm. one. Yes, you are in charge. I'm in charge. We have one of those in our not family. Really. It's not me, but we have one of those. And my wife is an oldest of five. So you're the oldest of six. I'm the oldest of six, of six kids. Yeah. yeah. Born and raised of... in the desert, grew up water skiing every oh, Monday awesome. night for family night. 
bucket of KFC and A and W root beer. <laughs> that is like the greatest family night great ever. Yeah. yeah. What, what lake did you grow up on? Saguaro Lake. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your parents. My parents, mom and dad, um, they met at I think it was East High School in Salt Lake City. True high school sweethearts. Mm-hmm. True high school sweethearts, and so. Um, they now live in Logan. They raised us in Arizona, and my dad retired and went up to Logan, and now he's playing cowboy up there. Awesome. Were you raised yeah. in the church? In the church, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Tell us what you were like when you were young. Now, you're an author now. Yes. And I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit how writing kind of came to you. Right. But were you interested in writing when you were young? No. 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 Uh, you know, five years ago, I wasn't. That is so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what you were into. What, so what, what, what I, were you, like? you know, I loved sports and I loved um, being outdoors and camping and yeah. I've always loved hiking and um, I loved piano. I play the piano a lot. Mm. Um, it's a real, um, it's a musical connection for me. It's also a spiritual connection. For oh me. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Tell me what you love about hiking because that has come up. That's a lot in, in all of your biographies and your books. Mm-hmm. Hiking is always there. Yeah. Tell me why you love hiking. Because I am a type A personality mm. and a list maker. Oh, and yeah. And when I go hiking, there's no list. Ah, so it's to kind there's of escape no yourself. List. Yes, yes. Yeah. All those to-do lists are gone, and it's just sort of me and the beauty around me. Mm. I can sort of are you able to really open let myself go? up. I can are, let go. You're able to let go. Yes. A no lot music of in my ears. No music, no walking. Oh, okay. No, yeah. Interesting. I'm dating myself, Walkman. No, Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, anti-shock and auto-reverse. Right. Right. We're about the same age, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, my wife and I went for a hike on Saturday, and we got back, and she said, you hate hiking, huh? And I said, no, I just don't get it. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. It's because for me, I go, and it's fine. It was nice. We took our sons, and it was fine. Then we got back, and I was happy to be back. But as I was walking, I was thinking, you know, there are paved trails that you don't yeah. have to, like, step. But I, my wife is like you, she and people who love hiking love it. Now that makes sense to me. Right. But a lot of A-type personalities have a hard time letting go. Yes. Like, can't ever. And I can't, I either need to be with someone or I need music in my ears. I can't be... Mm. My ADD goes absolutely berserk. No. So now that's carried through today still. You loved it yes. then, you still do. Yes, it's still a getaway. My my best prayers, my best receiving of inspiration, mm. my best moments are outside of my house. Do you hike, because I know people who do both, do you hike and kind of pray as you hike and pray in your head literally? Yes. Okay, because I know other people who go out, hike, find somewhere, stop and pray. No. I'm a walk and pray. No, my arms and legs are pumping and yeah. my brain is going. And Those are my I'm favorite prayers. And yeah. That and yeah. driving. I drive a lot for my job. Like I'll drive, uh-huh. you know, land in an airport and drive 45 minutes or whatever and I'll pray. I've had some great driving prayers as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. That's so great. Yeah. So the main you, thing is I got to get away. I got to get away from that list mm. and from my computer and... All of that. That's great that you know that. Yeah, I know that about myself, so I make it happen. So you go through high school, you go through all this. Where does does it take you after high school? It takes me to uh, BYU for a year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the getaway for Arizona. It was a getaway from the heat. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, especially then. Things have gotten a little warmer out here, but... uh, Right. So what what years were you at BYU? So I was at BYU, uh, I graduated in 79, so 79 to 80. yeah. I was at BYU as a freshman, just wide-eyed and trying to take in all of this crazy new culture. And um, I really did love it there, but I loved my um, little non-member boyfriend back home better. Ah, the non-member boyfriend. the high school sweetheart. So was this a big struggle for you, trying to figure out, wait a minute, there's a non-member back at home. I'm at BYU, a lot of eligible guys at BYU, members of the church. Sure. So what did you do? So I went back, I went back that freshman summer and talked to, you know, this boyfriend who was now taking the missionary lessons because uh, he wondered what was so important to me that I would just sort of leave Mm. him in my dust. Yeah. And um, 
and move forward. And so he called me one day and said, I'd like you to come to my baptism. Did you know that this was happening? Like, were you touching base all the way along the way? I didn't know that he had been doing the missionary lessons for several months. I did not know that. Yeah. So he invites you. He invites me. Did this feel like a sign? Did this feel like... Uh, Well, let's just say the ring was on my finger in about two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it all came together. Yeah. Yeah, so we've been married now. So we, so we, and then, you know, so he gets baptized and says, Will you marry me? And I said, Couldn't say yes fast enough. And, yeah. And I said, There's this one little hitch. Um, I really want it to be in the temple. So set the calendar for a year forward, you know? No way. Yeah. So yeah. you waited. You didn't do the civil we marriage and we'll get sealed later. We waited. You said, I'm in for the temple. I'm can, in for the temple. Yeah. So. Can I just say, you've got, I've never met him. You've got a great husband. For him to, I mean, this is, yeah. if nothing else, this is a man who truly loves you. I, mean, I know, for really. Him, right? For him to not just say, I'm out of here. You are way too complicated. Yeah, I'll yeah. call you in a year if, yeah. if, if I'm still single. <laughs> That is amazing. Yeah. How awesome. So 37 years later, here we are. 37 years. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Yeah. And you stayed in Arizona the whole time. Is he from Arizona? In Arizona the whole time, except for two years in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We lived there for a couple of years. How amazing. Yeah. And tell us quickly about your kids, and then I want to get into okay. the book. Got an oldest daughter, Aubrey, and yeah. she uh, lives in Heber City. Cool. Cool. And um, I've got uh, my second daughter is Amber, and she is now in Portland, just moved to Portland. Cool. Uh, green Portland. That's it's just Portland's crazy beautiful. different from Arizona. Oh, gorgeous place. Yeah. And then I've got a son, Austin, in Harriman. Mm-hmm. And I've got a daughter, Ashlyn, in Spanish Fork. So they're all over, and none of them in Arizona. None in Arizona. Not they one. They all went away to college. Never came back. Utah and the What's Pacific Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leaving mom and dad right. in in Arizona. Yeah. So now you're out here all the so time. So when someone great like Sean calls me and says, hey, will you come be a guest on my podcast? I say, yes, because I get to talk with Sean and I get to see my kids. That's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome that you get to it's be out here so much. It's fantastic. All right. So there were, you have several events and I'm trying to kind of put together what the best way is to talk about how we got into your books and maybe is, is maybe a good way to talk about some of, uh, as far as finding hope goes, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us some of the things that were happening in your life before you felt, uh, felt to write? Well, yeah. Before you had the major event that led right. you to write. Uh, right. Truly. That's a yeah. story in itself. Yeah. But um, what was happening in your life? Okay. Uh, before finding, before your book, Finding Hope. When I say Finding Hope, I don't mean before you found hope. Yeah. I mean, you have a book called Finding right. Hope. Right. I was um, te- just finishing my fourth year of teaching early morning seminary. Yeah. And so that's, you know, 4.30 in the morning, morning the alarm goes off and mm. you're, you're up teaching it by six. So I'm in my fourth year. I'm bone weary, tired. Yeah. From not getting enough sleep. I can't. It takes its toll. Yeah, it takes its toll. It's a hard calling, but the greatest calling I ever had. And I am fifth, just turning 50. Um, my daughter is just getting ready. My fourth daughter is just getting ready to leave the house and go to college. And this is a few years back. Mm-hmm. How many, so this is five, six years ago. Seven years ago. Seven years ago. Yeah. Okay. And. So I know from previous experience, right, she's leaving and she ain't coming back. Yeah. Because that's what happens in the Tucker household. And uh, they fall in love with Utah. So she's getting ready to leave. And my son had just come home early from a mission. Tell us about that experience. Because it's not something you plan on. No. It's something that is much more common now Mm -hmm. than maybe when I was that age. I mean, it was... It was very few. In fact, I remember when I was being interviewed for my mission, my our stake president said we have, he was very hesitant to send me, and he said we have had two missionaries in our stake who have come home this year. And that was like disastrous. Like that mm-hmm. was that was real cause for concern at that time. Right. And now, not, I wouldn't say it's common, but it, you but know. But we're hearing it, it does, all the time. It does happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell us what, what you want to tell us about that experience. That, um, that was really hard, and it's a little complicated because it was, I recognize, fully recognize, that was really hard for him, right? Oh, yes. I mean, that's a whole cultural 
thing yeah. to sort of deal with, to walk back into, you know, church and all the heads turn. And mm. are, didn't he just leave? You know, you can see it on people's faces. Wait, did he leave? Did he not leave? Why is he here? And it's a whole nother thing for mom over here, right, to sort of deal with on this level. And you hurt so badly for yeah. him. It's not on any box that's on any list that you would check to say this is going to be, you know, on my path. And there's no there's no handbook. There's no, no here's what to say and here's what to do and here's how to feel. Right, right. And you, wanna, and you want to jump in as mom, as grizzly bear mom, you want to jump in and rescue. Oh, you want to rescue that child. Yeah. And that's exactly what you cannot do. Mm. They need to find their own way and understanding and using the atonement and all yeah. of that themselves. So I'm over on this side of the house, rolling around in the mud in my own issues with it. And he's on the other side of the house, rolling around in the mud. You know, and we're trying together to do this dance of how can oh. I help you? How do I assist with this? It's a really hard place. It's a, it's a really dark place. I'm glad I you talked about, though, figuring out, bringing the atonement into it. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I think that we think sometimes of the atonement as this grand thing that applies primarily to sin or to loss. Mm -hmm. And to apply the atonement to confusion right, or to, you know, lack of clarity mm -hmm. or to just, I mean, because someone coming home from a mission... First of all, for your son, that wasn't his plan. No. I mean, he didn't go out saying, all. hey, see you in a few weeks, mm -mm. you know, or whatever. How how long was he out? He was, uh, I think, 11 or 12 weeks in the yeah. MTC, just ready to get on that plane to Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to go to Russia. Yeah. That was his plan, you know, and all of a sudden, his life is turned upside right. down. Right. And then it is, what do I say and mm -hmm. what does it all mean? Yeah. There's no guidebook. I'll tell you one thing I've become more sympathetic toward is there's also no guidebook for members of the church. It's true. You know, we, we've seen people in, in our own ward uh, and in our own stake and friends of my kids who have, you know, come home early. And same thing with, you know, I have a son who's 20 right now. He's not on a mm -hmm. mission. And I feel for the families and for the young man or young woman. Sure. But also the members of the church with the best of intentions <laughs> It's do I not bring it up? Do I bring it up? Do how do I show support? Right. And I think most people have really good intentions. Mm -hmm. But boy, sometimes do we screw that up. Sure. You know, we say something that just out of left yeah. field and Yeah. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. And um, you know, he he used the atonement for what he needed to use the atonement for. Awesome. And I used the atonement in my own struggle and trying to grasp it and Yeah. And, you know, how do I help and, and these feelings that I have over it. And yeah. Yeah. It's quite So this all happens. So this is where Your I daughter's am. leaving. Yeah. Son's home. Yeah. Nothing's the way it's supposed to be. No. I mean, this it was is, kind of a, it was a really tricky time in my yeah. life. And so that's where I am. I'm, I feel like I'm physically, I'm emotionally, and I'm spiritually beat up. That's where I was. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I, I know yeah. that. I know exactly. Clinging what to the atonement. Talking right? about. Clinging to my faith with all of yeah. my might. That's where I am. I'm getting up. I'm teaching seminary the, the, the last semester of it. Yeah. And here comes Thanksgiving. And so um, I climb up on a plane and... Like every good seminary teacher, you can go to sleep in an instant, right? <laughs> so I remember that. fastening my seatbelt. We're going to go from Phoenix to, to Salt Lake because we're going to have holidays with some relatives. And so I remember fastening the seatbelt. And that's the last thing I remember. So somewhere between Phoenix and Salt Lake, I had a dream. And in that dream, I saw my hands holding a book. Mm. And I knew that that book was my book. And I remember thumbing through some of the pages. I remember flipping it over and looking at the table of contents. And I knew it was a book about trials and sort of getting through struggles in life and faith. And, and then the plane landed. And so, you know, that bump when you bump onto your seat. Yeah. As the plane hits the runway, it woke me up. And I felt like I had been plugged into an electric outlet. Really, truly. No kidding. It just recharged your spirit. Oh, not in a good way. Not in a good not way. Not in a good way. Okay, so when you say, I'm, I'm no. thinking plugged in like, hey, no. you got your energy back. No. Plugged in like shocked. It was like, yeah, my first thought was, that was so real. Just like, 
like more mm. than a dream real, right? Had you ever had a dream like this? No. Is this common? No. 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 Wow. It then was that must so, have really yeah, been shocking. It was a real shock. And then my second thought that quickly chased that was so real was there's no way. This is it. There is no There's way I'm doing this. No way I'm doing this. I don't want to do this. I didn't. I'm a business major from ASU, for heaven's sake. Yeah, sakes, this right? is not your plan. This is not my plan. It's not on any list. No, I'm not. You're a, not an author. No, no. That never is set so out crazy. To be. Yeah. So I went on, um, you know, I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell my kids. Because if I tell anybody about it, yeah, it makes it real. Then you got to right. do it, or you're at least going to get asked about it. So best kept secret, I put it in a little metal box in the back of my head and said, you stay there. And um, By the way, dreams and books and boxes, yeah. big history of all that in our church. I don't know if you put that all together, but <laughs> we, have, we have a good history of dreams and I'm books and right boxes. I'm on the right I guess, right? Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Oh, so... So I spent a, a good number of months um, having some really good arguments with God about why that was not for me. Yeah, and, did you win you that? Know, how'd that go? Yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> you know, I had the nerve, I'm, I'm a little ashamed to say, to, to say to God, you know, you got the wrong girl. Mm-hmm, sure. There's been a mix-up here. Yeah. And because uh, I just couldn't imagine why anything I would have to say would be important to anybody else. What's amazing to me is, you know, I mean, you're the 60, I think, fifth guest who sat there mm-hmm. that I've talked to. And first of all, I'm already fascinated with your story. But secondly, everybody has something to contribute. Right. It's Why is it so easy to see it in others? I don't like if know. anybody yeah. else, if anybody else said, I think I'm looking to write a book, I'd say, oh, of course you are. You're yeah. amazing. Yeah. But for ourselves, we go, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I would never say what I just said to anybody else Not on the planet. Not a person on earth, never, right? Never, never. But in our own But I'll heads. say it to myself. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, so I just really, truly wondered, yeah. you know, why me? And so I sort of um, went into this bargaining mode, and I, I really locked that up tight for a good few mm. months, trying to decide what I was going to do with my life. I had uh, no more kids at home. I'm done teaching the four years of seminary. S- someone else has been called. Now I just kind of substitute here and there. But... Um, you know, where am I needed? You know, Heavenly Father, what can I do as a disciple of Christ? How can I benefit you? And how can I yeah. be a, a light in the gospel? And I really, truly wanted to know that. And so I was fasting, I was praying, I was attending the mm. temple, and um, really eagerly seeking that, thinking it was going to be shown to me. You yeah. Know? You know, I'm signing up for every brownie plate that's needed at some <laughs> church function, right? I'm just, I, I called the Relief Society president and said, does anybody need house cleaning? Do they need weeds pulled, babysitting? Awesome. I, I'm, I'm it. At some point, did, did you either think or did the Spirit tell you, yeah, I've already shown you what you're doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're I, writing a book. I, I'll never forget the day. You can keep trying to run around, yeah. but this yeah. has been shown to you. I really did lock it away really well. Yeah. But at one point, I was out walking, doing one of my power prayer walks, which I did do most mornings. Awesome. And I'm on my way back. I'm walking up a dirt road right by my house. And I'll never forget the moment. And uh, I was mm. just looking around. It was a great day. It was sunny, not too hot. It's in March. And out of the blue, just really out of the blue. And this is how it always happens with me. You know, some real revelation that takes my breath away is something that's out of the blue. Mm. And I ha- heard a voice in my head that said, I showed you that book. Oh. Right? I about fell on the ground. And I said to Heavenly Father, anything but that. Anything but that. And then slowly my hard little crusty heart began to soften. Mm-hmm. And my prayers went from, I will not do that it's too hard to maybe I'll do that to, all right, I'm going to do this. And boy, do I need your help because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And so the day that I came home from a big, long, sweaty hike, I walked in the door. I knew, I knew that that was the day to begin. And I walked in the door just stinky and sweaty and sat down at my computer in my gym clothes, put my hands on the keyboard typed the first sentence, and I'm telling you, it poured out of me. And wow, it's, it's almost like I was saying, okay, here I am. 
I'll be obedient. I'll do this hard thing that I don't know why I'm being asked to do. And that's when the blessings came, when I agreed to do it, when I said, I commit to this. You had time between your dream. Oh, yeah. And between when you actually did it. Mm -hmm. What did you learn during that spacing? Like during that time, you know, I always hear, I always talk to people where they say, here's when I first thought I should do something. Here's when I did it. And in between, there's sort of that uh, refining Mm -hmm. time. What was that for you? For me, I had to look back. Yeah, I look back and I had to get out of my own way. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't disappear. Were you just kind of waiting, hoping that somehow I was doing the dance, you know, like the two. The best I could, but I couldn't get out of the way. Yeah. And and finally I did. It was sort of a submission, you know. Mm. We talk about submissiveness as a negative term, but really it's not. To be submissive. Oh, no. It's great when you're talking about the Lord's will. It's a beautiful thing, yeah, when you're you're turning your will over to the Lord's. So I had to get out of my own way, and I needed to be patient. I had to really learn patience in this. Now, when we started a podcast, which is nothing compared to writing a book, starting a podcast. Oh, I think it's not nothing. When I look back, was was very easy. But I, I called my friend Sean Lords, who is the host of uh, Word on the Main Street podcast, and said, "I'm starting a podcast next Monday. What do I do? How do I do it? <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't know. Yeah. Do I need a? I guess I need a computer. I need microphones. Whatever." Mm-hmm. You're writing a book. Did you immediately think, I just need to write it and then that'll be done? Or did you know from the beginning, this needs to be published and out there? Like, did were oh, you writing it no. just to write? No, it was just, let's just get this out. Let's just get it done. Let, just, let me just be obedient. And then let's just, I don't know what's going to happen with this. And initially, I sort of thought maybe this is for my kids or my grandkids mm, to have yeah. a written testimony of of what I feel in my heart and soul. Yeah. And um, so I thought maybe that was it. Maybe it's for a great, great, great grandchild, right? Yeah. That needs to learn about her grandma Heidi. I, I don't know. I and, didn't and know what it hope, was. hope, taking a step back, the book itself, because I've started reading it and I mostly skimmed it so that we'd be ready. It's beautiful, first of all. Thank you. But it's a lot of personal stories. Yeah. It's a lot of personal thoughts, some scripture quoting, some... I mean, all, all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. It really is one of those books where you kind of take us on a narrative journey right? as to what hope is. Mm-hmm. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the central themes seems to be, it doesn't matter your circumstance, there's hope. yeah, And there's joy in that hope, even if you're in the deepest pits of despair. That's what I'm getting from the book yeah. as I'm reading it. Right. What, el- what else, do you, what else did, you, did you put into Finding Hope? As far as the book, yeah. as far as reading it, yeah. well, um, initially, I I thought it was just going to be a, a generational thing for yeah. my family. But yeah. then um, another day I'll never forget is I was with my kids and my parents, and we were all walking down Main Street and uh, in Park City, just enjoying a day. Nice. Right? And I had the manuscript in a three-ring notebook. I gave one to each of my kids, gave one to my parents, and said, I'm done. Mm. I did what I was asked. And uh, I was just walking down the street, hanging out with my dad, and I heard a voice again. And the voice said, in my mind, I showed you that book. (laughs) And I knew what that meant. That (laughs) meant you are not done. You're not done. No. So I had to go on a whole nother journey about how do you publish a book. So how yeah. t- take us on that journey. How did you figure out publishing a book? I wouldn't know. I, we've had several authors on here. I still have no idea. First of all, I have nothing I could possibly write that people would be remotely interested. <laughs> so so, we I don't, so, I don't, so I don't have that problem. <laughs> However, if I were to, I wouldn't know yeah. the first place to start. I mean, were you debating? I understand there's, there's self-publishing, right. people setting up a, their own publishing company, yeah. and then there are publishers. Right. So what was your path right. to getting so your book So I submitted published? it to a few publishers, you know, and I was turned down. And um, one of them, one of, my, one of my last decline letters said, you know, we can't do this right now. And um, we're really not looking at projects until 2019, which mm. was so far out. You yeah. know, we're talking back in 2015. Wow. And I just thought, and she, and, but her final paragraph, she took a minute to say, you really have something here. Wow. Yeah. You really have something here, so don't stop. Mm. And that's 
sort of what I needed, you know, and, yeah. I, and between that and feeling these promptings to continue forward and, and don't, you know, don't stop now. You're not done. So the rejection I letters, said, you're, you're still, you're still kind of wedged between the work and God. Yeah. You're still kind of in the middle of, yeah. he's saying, uh-uh, this is going out. Right. You're going to publish this. Yeah. And you're going, I'm trying. <laughs> I don't want to try trying. anymore. I thought I was done. Yeah. So how did this finally make it out? So a lot of research, a lot of YouTube videos, mm. a lot of um, networking, just anybody that I could get a sliver of information from wow. of how do you do this hard thing. And I just taught myself and built myself a team. And I was blessed and people were put in my pathways and... I was able to get it from a three-ring notebook Word document that I had printed awesome. off and taken to Kinko's, right? Yeah. Into a bound book that eventually wound up at Deseret Book and Gorgeous. Siegel Book and Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And, you know, it just was an, an incredible journey that I would never have forecasted that it was in my plan. Ever. And was it just you knew that God wanted you to put this out there? Yes. I had to have something that intense yeah. to propel me through that because it, it, I felt like, you know, I, I wrote the book, but I felt, I feel, I still feel like it's God's work. Yeah. So that was enough to keep me going through slammed doors. And I have several members of my family who are A type personalities. I'm not. I mm -hmm. am. So the first You're the fun thing, one at the party. I am fun. <laughs> I'm the one giving assignments. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I'm not. I'm the guy sitting back shooting yeah. the bowl and eating chips. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when the Lord tells me to do something, I just go, yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah. I get the feeling, I'm hearing your journey that for an A-type personality, the problem is I go, yeah, whatever, and then yeah. I may or may not ever get it done. But for an A-type personality, it sounds like this is really what you needed. Yeah. You needed to push this. Right. To be pushed toward it. Yeah. And then you went all in. Yeah. Oh, I just love this story. Yeah. I went on Amazon and looked at the reviews. I don't know how much of a, you know, some authors never want yeah. to see reviews. Some can't wait. Five stars out of five mm -hmm. across the board. I mean, but what I found so funny, I want to be clear, this is not a book for women. But it is told from a woman's point of view. And there were there right. are some things that I've read that I've thought, you know, I got emotional about, but I don't know that I necessarily, I've never been a mom. Right. You know, I'm not a grandma. I'm yeah. not, you know, yeah. all these things. Yeah. Um, so, but it was funny because your reviews were so passionate and it would be a woman saying, this is exactly what I needed. It touched my heart. This changed my life, whatever. You have one male reviewer that I can tell because all the other ones, it's all usernames, but you can kind of tell yeah. the way they write. The male review is, my wife likes this book. <laughs> like Isn't literally the entire <laughs> review is my wife, my wife likes, likes this, this book. book. So so to, to, to just kind of put a book in on this, because we've got another book to talk about yeah. with an amazing story. Uh, if people want to find the book Finding Hope by Heidi Tucker. Mm -hmm. Finding Hope in the Journey. In the Journey, sorry. Yeah. I knew I was going to miss part of that. Finding you Hope got, in the, the Journey. You got the crux of it, yeah. Finding Hope in the Journey is the title of the book. And, and on our Facebook and Instagram, we'll have links to where you can get it. You can obviously get it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, where else can people find your book? It's at, um, usually at Deseret Book. Deseret Book. Siegel Book. Awesome. Yeah, Barnes & Noble. So great. So now after, um, after the first book, did you kind of think, okay, that's, I'm done? Or did yeah. you think, hey, I'm an author now? No, I just said, Heavenly Father, hallelujah, I did this really hard thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all throw a party. I did it. I did We're it. You know? And I just thought, done, done. I don't know that I want to go through that again. It's a, um, you know, I write from my heart. Yeah. And so it's a really emotional um, mm. thing for me. It's 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 um, a sacrifice. Yeah. To go into what I call my cave, where I got to just sort of shut down and say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna just go to some hard places, and I'm gonna put words into those really tough feelings." And so that's a hard thing to do. And so I just thought, "Wow, I don't want to do that ever again." And. Um, but I wanted to market it. I had some energy to to get out there and market it and trying to sort of get some get some readers and some viewers. Sure. And yeah. 
because it was sharing um, a message and a testimony that I felt so passionate about. Well, there's that whole thing, you know, where it's not to be, we're to be a light upon a hill, not right. uh, hidden under a rock. Right, right. Don't you know? I didn't want to write the book and then just shove it under my bed. Yeah. So, so you go out um, and you're promoting the book. So I'm promoting the book a little bit, yeah. Yeah. And which is a whole nother hat that you have to wear. Yeah. Are you comfortable with that? Do you like going to book signings and stuff? Yeah. You seem like it. You seem very comfortable. I, I love it. I, interacting with people is the oh, greatest great? part of the whole thing. So I'm not yeah. your typical, I shouldn't say typical author, but you you often hear and read online that sure. authors generally don't want to be with the public. They're much more comfortable, you know, behind their laptop. Right. Writing. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably the opposite. Yeah. You know? So you're get, more get of a... Out. Because you do a lot of speaking also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're right. a speaker who also happens to be very talented at writing. That's not bad. Not bad. That's a good combination. <laughs> so then one day you're hanging out at church, just yeah. doing your own thing, not ready to write another book. Yeah. And a woman approaches you. Tell right. us about Servi's song. Okay. Servi is this beautiful woman from Zimbabwe. Mm. And she was in my, going to my congregation at church. She's in my ward, and I had been traveling quite a bit up here at Utah and back and forth, and I knew her. I knew that she was from Zimbabwe. I knew her name was Servi. That's really all I knew about her. Yeah. And she comes up to me in January, and I have just been gone for the whole month of December. And she says, where have you been, Heidi? You know, and I said, hello, Servi. And she said, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. And she said, can you come to my house? I have a question I need to ask you. And I'm thinking in my mind, just ask. Just ask. Yeah, you just know? ask. We're here. But um, I said, you know, I, I can do that. I knew that she was a fairly, um, fairly new, and I wanted to be friendly and make her feel welcome. So I said, sure. And so we set a time for Tuesday morning, and I said, I'll be there. And, um, you know, our ward boundaries are not like yours here in Utah. You know, our ward boundaries. Yeah, a lot more spread out. Really big, right? Yeah, sure. She's about 25 minutes or so from my house where she yeah. was at that point. So Tuesday, I find myself on the road and I'm headed to her house and I'm thinking, why in the heck am I driving to her house? I had been away from my calling. I'd been away from my work. Mm. I was heavily marketing Finding Hope and I'm thinking... I don't have time for this. Ugh. I don't have time for this, right? So I'm really grumbly. Layman and Lemuel are s sitting very comfortably <laughs> on each of my shoulders. Nephi's not even in the picture. Nephi's not even in the car, <laughs> right? So I'm just, you know, grumble, grumble the whole way there. And uh, I recognized when I got to her street that my heart wasn't right. Yeah. So I literally pulled the car over, put it mm. in park, and said a prayer. Wow. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry that I'm a brat, you know. Help me those. to help her. I want to help this woman. So help me make this right. Yeah. You know? Help me to make a difference in her life. Yeah. So I pull up, I knock on the door. She answers the door. We come in. We don't know each other, right? We know each other's names. I don't know. And so what do you do? You talk about the weather. Talking about the weather in Arizona. And then, hey, isn't it hot? Yeah. <laughs> and we can talk about, we're talking a little bit about Zimbabwe and the politics yeah. that are going on over there. And at some point after, you know, five or 10 minutes, I just looked at her and I said, Servi, why am I here? Why am I here? Yeah. yeah. What, what can I? What on? can I do to help you? And she I looked know. at me with tears in her eyes and she said, it's so hard, I can't even ask you. And so I'm thinking, wow, I'm thinking I'm the wrong person to be here. Where's the Relief Society president, right? Yeah. Where's the bishop? Because yeah. it, this is, I'm the wrong person to be here. And I'm thinking, what has she got to unleash, you know? And I said, you can tell me anything. You, you can tell me anything and I will help you. So she says, you read a Christmas poem back in December at church, mm. in the beginning of December. And she said, I have lived a really hard life, harder than anybody knows. And she said, God has asked me to write a book, but I'm not educated. I can't write my story Ugh. because I'm not educated. And I've been fasting and praying for months of how to do this hard thing that God has asked me to do. And when you read that Christmas poem, there was a light on your head that nobody else saw. And it was God telling me, 
you need to ask her. Mm. So at this point, I feel like I'm going to throw up, right? Right. And um, my head is screaming, don't you dare. I don't even know her story, right? Yeah. My head is saying, don't you go there. Don't you go there. But my heart is pounding and it's just screaming, yes. Yeah. Help this woman. This is why you're here. You know, yeah. I'm feeling it. I, I felt like it was one of those moments where the, everything disappears and it's just the two of you sitting yeah. there. It really was one of those moments. Mm. And so we were just quiet for a minute. Um, and I finally said, Servi, if you are telling me that God has asked you to ask me to write your story, then the answer is yes. What else can I say wow. to that, right? So she started to cry, and then I started to cry for very different reasons, right? <laughs> you're, you're crying, going, not again. <laughs> and I cried all the way home. Oh. But before I left her home, I said, Servi, did you ask me to write your story because you knew I had just published a book? And her eyes got wide, and she said, you mean you've written a book? No way. No. Yeah. She didn't know you were an author. She didn't know that I even knew what a sentence was. Oh, my gosh, Heidi. So I said, hold that thought. And if I don't know if I'm not going to say you're like me, but whenever I've had a really spiritual experience, I, I, I want to backtrack. And my, 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 right, rewind it. You want to rewind, and you want to sort of say, okay, what just happened? Let's, make, let's make, make some sense out of this. Wow. So I say, hold that thought. I have a book in my car. I'm going to go get it. And I ran to my car, got her a copy of Finding Hope in the Journey, handed it to her. And I said, I want you to just look at this so that you, you know, I wasn't sure how well her reading was in English, but I said, I want you to look at this just to see what you think of my style. Are you comfortable with me writing your story? Mm. And she smiled at me and held the book and said, you know, I'll look at your book, Heidi, but I don't need to know from your book <laughs> what God told me. Oh, I love this yeah. so much. And so I cried all the way home. You know, once again, I just replayed that tape that was in my head from the first time. Heavenly Father, this is too hard. Yeah. This is too hard. I know how to write my, okay, I wrote my story, but how do I write someone else's? So I'm going to so, tell you something, Heidi, that yeah. may not have dawned on you at this point. Heavenly Father would like you to be an author. You may not realize that yet, <laughs> but I'm getting this feeling. I'm just I get this. No I get way. this strange feeling that Heavenly Father <laughs> may just want you to be an author. I you mean, think? how incredible! Yeah, you know. And yet, without finding hope in the journey, the request from Servi would have sounded crazy. Oh yeah. I but have here, done finding that. you know, here everything you went through prepared you to write Finding Hope in the Journey. Mm-hmm. And then finding hope in the journey prepared you for Servi's song. Right. Now, I don't want to give away too much of the book. We want people to go buy the book and to read Servi's story. But if you could give us a back of the jacket, 10,000 yeah. foot view on Servi, who she is and why we want to re read this book. Right. You want to read this book because this woman takes you from an incredible tragedy to triumph in her faith. Mm. And um, it's just one of those stories that you say, how much can this woman take? How much more faith does she have to hang on? Yeah. And yet you see her do it over and over and over again. Basically, she, she's married with six children and she loses her husband. So she has these six children in Zimbabwe in a small village. And she and her husband knew that education was the ticket out of poverty. And so it was their life's mission to prepare these children by educating mm. them. After two years of his death, she can't not only pay the, the bus fare, but she can't even feed them. She's taking vegetables from the gardens of neighbors who are mm. helping her. And she, um, a, a, an opportunity comes up for her to come to the United States where she could earn a year's worth of salary in one month, right? A year's worth yeah, of Zimbabwe of salary. Of course. In one month, send it back to care for her children. And so she takes that opportunity by leaving six children with relatives, in the care of relatives. Wow. Comes to Zimbabwe. She's never been outside of her little dirt road, thatched roof village. And that's she it. flies into New York City. Oh, my gosh. That's chapter one. Okay. Okay. From there, there are 
tragedies and there are incredible hardships that you just go through this woman and you feel so much for this woman, you know, by the end. And then I won't give away the ending, but incredible, incredible triumph in her life to be able to go through what she, what she does and then come out with her faith in God even stronger than ever. So I'm in the middle of finding hope in the journey. I'm going to finish finding hope in the journey first. Mm-hmm. Then it's on to uh, Servi's song. And by the way, the cover of Servi's song, I mean, what a beautiful, amazing woman. And yeah. again, we'll share this on social media, but her face tells Doesn't it tell? a bigger story than mm-hmm. half the people could possibly tell. Yeah. It was stunning. Like it, it kind of took me aback when I first saw right. it. I went, okay, now... I I want to. I need to know who this woman is. Yeah. So, what's your next book, Heidi? You know what? I <laughs> I I just came from interviews with it. Um, someone read Servi's song and reached out to me and said, "You're the only author that could ever tell my story." And it's a it's a woman who suffers with dissociative identity disorder. Oh my. And if your listeners don't know that term, it's what we now refer to as multiple personality disorder. Yeah. And it's it's a, a gut-wrenching story of, of trauma and tragedy in her life and where she's been to, for, you know, some, someplace bad enough that your brain fractures, right, into all of these different yeah. parts. And it's her story of faith in, in getting through this life with faith and God and hanging on with her fingernails. It's an, an unbelievably amazing story. And so I've had a few people reach out to me and say, boy, do I have a story for you? You know, and I think, uh, not interested, not interested. Yeah. I spent 30 minutes on the phone with her, hung up the phone, bawled my eyes out, and said, I think I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. Once again, I'm hearing the recording in my head. <laughs> this is too hard. This is too big for me. Yeah. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, I just get the feeling that when you are 95 years old or whatever, <laughs> you're going to be saying, I am the woman who was not an author who wrote 20 books. <laughs> but I'm not an author. <laughs> but I'm, are you comfortable now saying, I'm an author? I am. Good. Yeah. Because you are. I mean, this is yeah. so accomplished. And by the way, Amazon.com, service song, five mm-hmm. stars. And yeah. people just absolutely love this book. Yeah. And what's there not to love right. about it? That's... Right. Grab your pom-poms and your Kleenex, because you're going to need both. Oh, I love stories like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I, all I read is nonfiction, and so I'm, Me too. I'm big into those kinds of stories. And, yeah. And I think our readers should absolutely check it out. Uh, before we get into the final question, the question we ask all of our guests, if you could summarize kind of this journey of the past seven years or so, I mean, is there one key message that you wish our, our listeners would understand? One thing you want our audience to know from your journey of the last seven years? Um, it would be that just when you think you know what your itinerary is, Fasten your seatbelt because <laughs> it may not look anything like that, you know, yeah. and that we need to sort of just be open to that. And um, I know from writing about others' journeys in life as well as my own that um, hope is real. It's yeah. real. And it's just positioning your heart to recognize little tender mercies and things that let you know, hey, he's aware God's aware. Yeah. And maybe he's not going to remove that mountain, but he's going to help you climb it. And uh, mm. hope is real. And when hope is not there, you know, complete, utter hopelessness too often is suicide. And that's a frightening thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about that more and more now because it's Thank heavens we are. unfortunately so prevalent right now. Yeah. Um, but hope is real. It's out there. It's sometimes clouded and difficult to see, but yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's so inspiring. And that may have stolen the thunder from the last question that we ask all of our guests. Maybe it's the same thing. If it is, you can just say ditto. But but uh, the last question we always ask is, Heidi, what does being a member of the church mean to you? What does it mean to me? It's um, it's everything. Yeah. 
it's everything. You know, it's like, it's the lighthouse. I'm out there in a boat on the ocean, and I'm riding the waves, and some days it's great, you know, and the <laughs> sun is shining, and I'm looking up at that lighthouse, which is the gospel, and I'm saying, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful world that I'm living in. And then other days, the waves are just crashing, right? My boat is sinking, and I'm treading water, mm. and I'm sucking air out of a straw, trying to keep my head above water. And I look up at that lighthouse, and I say, you know, I, I need that more than anything. That's what keeps me treading water. That's what keeps me from just saying, I'm done, yeah, and sinking to the bottom of the sea. I keep my eye on that lighthouse and say, something's coming. Awesome. For me. That's everything. The books are Finding Hope in the Journey mm -hmm. and Servi's Song. They're available on Amazon. They're available at Deseret Book, all over the place. Look up Heidi. Look up her story. The author is Heidi Tucker. She is a mother, a grandmother, a reluctant author, a speaker, <laughs> and uh, one willing to go and do what God has asked. Heidi, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. Thank you so much, Sean. And my thanks to Heidi Tucker. What an incredible story she has. I oh, just loved it. Such a great example of faith. So thank you again, Heidi. That was incredible. This week in my Latter-day Life, uh, we got back from vacation on uh, Monday night. We had such a fun fall break. You know, we there's kind of a joke here in Utah. This is uh, now considered, they just call it fall break. It used to be called UEA Weekend which was uh, Utah Educators Association. They had a, a big conference where all the teachers met together. They still do a, a weekend of fall break, but the joke was UEA weekend stood for uh, Utah Evacuates to Anaheim, or Utah Escapes to Anaheim, or Utah Exits to Anaheim. Basically, everybody goes down to Disneyland for fall break, and, and that's true. A lot of people do, or they go to St. George, or wh whatever. It's just a great weekend to get away so uh, we took off on Friday midday. We went to Disneyland Friday night for the Halloween party. It's one of my favorite, favorite things to do. And we had a blast. We only had our 14-year-old and our 16-year-old sons because my other five kids are all grown and have moved out. So fun being with the younger boys uh, going out and they just love California. On Saturday, we had a great time. We went out to the Warner Brothers studios and did their studio tour, which is really fun. And then came Sunday. Now on Sundays, we've really tried to put a renewed effort into having a Sabbath and making Sunday different, even while we're on vacation. And what an incredible day we had. Uh, we went to church uh, in the Redondo Beach First Ward, which was such a sweet little ward. It was just great. And we went to sacrament meeting there. And then we went over to the Los Angeles Temple and walked around the temple grounds. It's where my parents were sealed. Went to the visitor center. It was great. We went and visited uh, one of my best friends in the world, Mike Cannell and his family, who we just love. Mike was... Uh, my roommate and visiting with friends was awesome. We went out to Newport. We walked around the beach. We went out to Manhattan Beach, and I showed my, my kids where I proposed to my wife. And just an incredible day. And as we were getting ready, we were wrapping things up because Tuesday morning we had to fly back out. I stopped at a gas station. Now, I told you a few weeks ago an experience I had at a gas station, and maybe that's just a sacred place for me because I had another incredible experience. We needed to stop and get gas, and uh, some kids needed to use the restroom, and so we didn't have uh, a lot of time to wait and find the perfect gas station. So we pulled over in a little bit of a suspect neighborhood uh, down there in Los Angeles, and we pulled over, and I just kind of looked around. It felt safe enough, you know, but maybe not somewhere we'd want to venture out too far from the gas station. And as I pulled up and parked the car, and the kids ran in to use the restroom, uh, and I started to pump gas, a guy came up to me, and he had uh, some cloths and a spray bottle. And he said, hey, can I get your windshield? And this is something that, you know, happens a lot. I've seen it all over the country, but California maybe specifically, and they'll do this for tips as a way to make money. And I immediately just said, no, thanks, we're good, I'm okay. And, 
and uh, no thank you. And he was so nice. He said, he was kind of an older gentleman, and he said, okay, sorry to bother you, and he took off. And uh, I went inside, and while I was inside paying for gas and using the restroom myself, I suddenly had this feeling that I should go out and find that guy, and I should have him clean our windshield. And so I walked outside and I looked around. There he was standing there in the corner. And I waved him over and I said, come on over. If you wouldn't mind, just the front. I didn't really need our windshield washed. I mean, we were returning the rental car the next day. But he said, oh, thank you so much. And he jumped out and he started washing our window. So I reached into my pocket and from my wallet, I took out a $5 bill and was going to tip him. And he looked at me and he said, thank you. And while he was washing the window, he said, thank you so much. And I said, you know, thank you for working. And thank you for offering a service rather than just asking for money. It makes it really nice and you're doing a great job on my windshield. And while he was cleaning the window, he said, I'm unemployed. And I'm going to do whatever I can until I get another job. I've got to make money until I get another job. So thank you for letting me do this for you. And all of a sudden, the spirit just overwhelmed me. Just, I was so suddenly almost just like, um, just moved by this man. That God was so aware of him and that that's why I asked him to come back out. So I put that $5 bill back in my wallet and I got out quite a bit more money. And I just felt that it was the right thing to do. And I said, just the front windshield's fine. And And he got done, and he walked over, and I handed him the money. And he looked down, and he immediately went, oh, no, no. And he tried handing it back to me. And I said, no, that's for you. I've been there. I've had hard times. I understand. And he said, I can't can't take this much. And I said, please. And he put out his hand, and he said, my name's Lester. And I said, Lester, (laughs) that's my mom's maiden name and my son's middle name. It's nice to meet you, Lester. And I said, you did a really good job, and I really appreciate you working. And Lester got really emotional, which made me emotional. And he said, God bless you. What's your name? And I said, my name's Sean. And he said, God bless you, Sean. I love you, brother. I love you so much. Thank you. And I said, Lester, I love you too, and God loves you. And I proceeded to tell Lester that when I went inside to pay for gas— that God told me that I should be aware of Lester. And I said, Lester, God knows you. And he said, I know he does, Sean. That I don't doubt. And I'm just doing all I can from my end until I can find a job. And Lester and I shook hands, and we ended up hugging. (laughs) I hugged a stranger I had never met in a gas station in Southern California. Again, I seem to have spiritual experiences in gas stations. And then we hopped in our car. I said, God bless you, Lester. And he said, God bless you, Sean. And we took off. And then the next day we flew home. And I look back because I love Disneyland. And I loved the studio tour and everything else that we did, uh, walking around Redondo and whatnot on, on Saturday. But Sunday was my favorite day. Being at the temple, being at church with the good saints of Redondo Beach, and then getting to meet Lester, and spending the day with friends, and going over family history. And maybe I'm getting old, because <laughs> young me certainly would not have thought this was the best day. But it was one of my favorite days of vacation ever, because we had a true Sabbath. And I think that what we did was really pleasing to the Lord. And I had prayed that day that we would have spiritual experiences, and then we'd be able to honor the Sabbath. And I felt like that happened. It's amazing when we open up our hearts and we open up our eyes, the amount of work the Lord has for us to do. And that was my favorite day of vacation, getting to meet Lester. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. I cannot thank you enough for all the support that the show is getting. You keep sharing it with your friends and whatnot. We really appreciate it. Uh, Remember, if you want to go back the last... I don't know, six or five or six episodes at least. They're all available on YouTube if you like the video format better. Um, but also, of course, we're available wherever you get your podcasts. If you think of someone, 
who could be uplifted, who hear stories like Heidi's that are so faith-affirming, and you could share the show. It is such a blessing to us. And again, we've already broken a record for the month of October, and the show keeps growing, and it's thanks to wonderful people like you. If you want to reach out to me, I can be uh, reached at sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. So until next week, when we, oh, next week's guest, we have got another just fantastic episode for you. Uh, just remember, there really is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.